Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders, bringing you some more golf talk once again here during the fall swing. I am Justin Van Zuden, aka STL Cardinals 84. I've got my buddy Derek Farnsworth, notorious alongside, as usual, coming off the Shriners Children's Open last week, uh, where we had a back to back champion, Tom Kim. Uh, ends up taking down the tournament for the second year in a row with a really solid all-around week. Uh, no bad rounds on his card, 67 or better in all four rounds. Finishes the week at 24 under par and uh, takes home the trophy. So I know we talked about him as the top option on the show last week, and uh, we'll see if we can get uh, maybe another back-to-back champion this week. We'll see. But uh, Noto, how's it going? It's going good. I had a lot of Tom Kim. Unfortunately, I had a lot of Andrew Putnam, Mark covered, so um, that ended up hurting me in DFS. But yeah, I thought we had some good calls on the show last week, and now we get my probably favorite fall swing event um, going to Japan. You get some primetime golf, and uh, yeah, in my part of the world, it's getting colder and darker, so uh, I always like watching you know sunny, warm golf uh, on TV. Yeah, it's uh, winter is approaching. It seems like we've just, you know, kind of skipped over fall. Uh, We went from like 90 degrees here in Illinois to now it's, you know, 35 in the morning. So uh, I don't know. We're we're down to like two seasons or something right now. But uh, that makes it easier to, you know, stay indoors. And it's obviously a busy time of year on the sports calendar. Uh, We've got football in full swing. We've got hockey in full swing. We've got basketball starting up in like a week. Uh, we've got golf, of course, still going on for a while. So, uh, one of the, one of the busier times of the year in terms of how many sports are going on at once baseball playoffs, of course, winding down, uh, we've got the world series coming up as well. So, uh, always a good time to check us out at rotogrinders.com. Get yourself a premium subscription. Good bang for your buck. If you get all that uh, combo package uh, at this time of year. So, um, yeah, last week, otherwise, you know, there was a uh, thought after the first day, there was going to be a pretty good weather split. Um, but the course ended up being, uh, tougher in the morning, uh, both days. So it ended up not being super extreme, kind of the opposite of what we usually see. Uh, usually you see winds kick up in the afternoons, but, uh, it was, uh, it was kind of a weird tournament where you saw tough scoring the first two days, uh, earlier in the day, um, just the way it all shook out, but, uh, other takeaways uh, from uh, from last week's event for you, of course, other than Tom Kim with the old uh, back-to-back victories there. Yeah, what do you make of those uh, morning and afternoon splits? Do you think it's just because the time of year 
where it's just colder in the morning there and then it warmed up a little bit. Yeah, and I guess I know the first day the winds were a little bit uh, maybe seven, eight miles an hour higher in the morning. So I don't know. Maybe Vegas is just different uh, than most of the country. But it's really weird. I mean, I, I can't. I can't recall a time where outside of extreme winds, we've seen a tournament where both days uh, before the cut have been, you know, noticeably more difficult in the morning. And I think it certainly made a difference on, um, on that course, uh, just the way that it, it, it was, you know, it's kind of set up to be a course that doesn't offer a whole lot of difficulty when it's not pretty windy. So maybe that kind of leads into it a little bit as well, but I don't know. It was really strange. Yeah, it was strange. In terms of uh, other thoughts, it was fun watching uh, Isaiah Salinda and Callum Terran on Saturday. I think they shot a best ball 56 uh, between the two of them, um, which was pretty fun to watch. Didn't have either in showdown, but, uh, you know, Callum Terran's one guy that we like to target a lot on the show. Another good finish from Cam Champ. Uh, he had some encouraging quotes as well, saying his game's in a good spot. Uh, he feels like he just wants to go out there and have fun rather than put so much pressure on himself. So, We'll talk about him a little bit more later. Uh, Joel Damon sighting uh, for the first time in a while. Good to see him on top of the leaderboard uh, once again. And Alex Norn, who uh, I like quite a bit as well with the T3 finish. So um, I was hoping for a posting to get it done. I had an outright on him, but man, he just uh, fell apart on the back nine on Friday and Saturday. I think he was two over par on Friday and then Saturday made an eight on the easy part five that everyone was um that everyone was going, um, getting on into. So that was kind of frustrating, but, uh, yeah, your takeaways. Yeah. So I had mentioned, uh, when we first started that, uh, Tom Kim was, uh, 67 or better in every round had actually pulled open the leaderboard from two years ago. It was hard to differentiate because he won both times. Uh, but then I started scrolling down. I'm like, okay, that's not the, uh, that's not the leaderboard here. Cause some of those guys, uh, didn't even play this week, but, uh, yeah, it was, Poston was a guy I had a lot of exposure to as well, and obviously a very strong week for him. So uh, no qualms, you know, about uh, about the way he played overall. But uh, when you're shooting for, uh, you know, outright tickets and stuff, obviously there's a big difference between uh, taking it down and, and not. But um, another one, I mean, is Eric Cole ever going to slow down? I mean, this guy just just rolls, it seems like, every week. And I've kind of waited for him to come down to earth. But. Uh, you know, we saw a stretch from this, like for the first few months on the PGA tour with someone like, uh, Taylor Montgomery, and he has, uh, crashed back to earth since then. But Eric, uh, Eric Cole was the clubhouse leader there for a little while. He finished a couple shots back at 18 under another really impressive week for him. Um, uh, and camp champ, another solid week. He's kind of shown a little bit of form as well. He finished uh, 15 under at, uh, at T 18, uh, he's got the baby swag narrative going as well. So, you know, Champ disappeared for a long time, but he was another guy uh, that, um, you know, stood out to me last week. And, of course, uh, we saw Lexi Thompson uh, come close to making the cut, ended up falling a couple shots short there at the end, but uh, still pretty impressive performance from her to hang uh, on the PGA Tour uh, from the back tees. So uh, kudos to her for for giving that a rip and, and almost making the cut last week um anything else from you what do you make of all the backlash on her getting into the field i mean i think everyone calls it a gimmick and while that might be a little true i mean it brings more eyes um it's certainly a storyline to watch i think i'm all for it yeah i am too i mean it's not like she's playing every week um 
you know, these fields in the fall swing are big enough that, and I know there's, you know, one guy and I'm from the <laughs> qualifiers that, you know, but you can say that about everything. So did, he, did you take DJ Trey hand spot? Are we really <laughs> missing him in the field? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a non-story in my opinion. I mean, it's a story because people are going to talk about it, but I, sorry I, for I think the that's DJ Trey hand drive by. If you're watching. <laughs> yeah. He, what did he do? Um, but yeah, it's a. I'm sure the one person that would have been like the next person in, yeah, they'll have a legitimate gripe about it. But uh, no, no, no qualms. Uh, you know, if she was, if it was somebody out there, like you know, you put John Daly in the field and he shoots 90, you know, then I think, uh, yeah, you can make a gripe about it. But she almost made the cut, so yeah, no, no qualms about it for me, anyhow. Yep, right there with you. All right, let's talk some Zozo. <laughs> All right. Uh, only 78 golfers in the field this week. Uh, a no-cut format. One of the first ones that we've seen of these in a while. We'll see a few more of them once we turn the calendar over to the new year. Uh, of course, we saw it uh, in the playoffs. If you played DFS during the, the smaller field playoff events, uh, and if you've been playing for any length of time, you're familiar uh, with the no-cut. Uh, format but uh, all the golfers will get four rounds of course we're going over to uh, japan to play this there's quite a time difference between japan and the united states so if you are in the states uh, just be aware that this tournament locks at uh, let's see 7 45 eastern time on wednesday night uh, which would be 4 45 pacific time so don't get stuck with a lineup that you don't want with you know six thousand dollars of salary remaining that you threw in as a dummy lineup make sure you catch that early lock time there will probably be some dead lineups uh if you are a person that reserves contest entries without a lineup uh a y and b make sure you get those filled uh this week it, it takes like 10 seconds to just at least get reasonable salaried guys in there just click some names and use up the salary cap and you at least have a chance if you forget but I've never, do you reserve lineups or do you always put in something well, remotely reasonable? I usually just click a bunch of times and there's been more times than I'd like to admit where I've left like 15,000 on the table. And it's usually like a random sport, like a random CSGO slate or tennis or something. And I just forget. Um, but yeah, why not just take the extra two seconds to. Yeah. So, I mean, let me just click. Uh, okay. I randomly clicked. This took me stop. Uh, about eight seconds, and I just used a lineup that uh, used all the salary cap. I did not even look at names, but it used up all the salary cap. And I clicked on Keegan Bradley, Alex Norin, Adam Shank, Aaron Rye, Keith Mitchell, and Norman. So, look, may not be optimal, but it's not dead yeah. uh, going in. So, um, there you go. There's your uh, DFS hack for the day. Make sure. Yeah. You- and if you're reserving like before salaries are out, well, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, yeah, no need to put those uh, put that money aside on Sunday. Uh, you can you can just do that when salaries come out. Anyway, because it doesn't even show up on your like lineups page. You have to go click contests and then. I've never done this, so I wouldn't. I, it's or it's been a long time, I guess, since I've done it. Um, I think maybe if I had like a ticket for something one time and they put the reservation in your account or whatever. But uh, in any case, I'm uh, I'm holding the show hostage here after Noto. <laughs> It just got me on my tangent for the night. It's a smaller field this week. It's not going to take us a ton of time to get through it. Uh, but uh, it got me on a rant after he said, let's talk some Zozo. And then I spent five minutes talking about reserving entries. Uh, all right. Point being uh, early lock this week on Wednesday evening. Uh, make sure you don't get stuck by that. That's my 
long story short. All right, uh, let's talk some Zozo again over in Japan. Uh, of course, is being used for the fourth time. Uh, 2020, this tournament was contested in the States because of the COVID restrictions. Uh, but 2019, 2021, 2022 were uh, held on the same course that we will see this year. And uh, what do we know about it? Yeah, so this one's a bit of a mouthful. It is a Cordia Golf Narashino Country Club. Just outside of uh, Tokyo, it's a par 70 that measures less than 7,100 yards, but um, the yardage is a little bit misleading. So there are three par fives and five par threes, which is a little different for a par 70. And then the 10 par fours, none of them are between 425 and 485, um, which is really weird. So you have a bunch of long par fours, a bunch of short par fours. Um, so I do think driving distance is going to play an angle um on data golf their course fit tool has driving distance a lot higher than i was expecting uh, i'm not necessarily looking for bombers but um i thought that was interesting uh the grass type fairways and rough for zoysia grass the greens are bent grass um, all the holes have two different greens i'm not sure if they switched the greens during play or if like one's a winter summer green um but either way um there's two different greens on each hole which is kind of cool and the greens are very small, so I do think we're going to see a pretty big emphasis on iron play and around the green play, especially the first two days. It looks like there's going to be a lot of wind, so you're going to get a lot of missed greens and regulation, probably going to be a lot of scrambling um, in those uh, those two days. Other than that, kind of looking more at bogey avoidance than birdie or better percentage. It's kind of been a tougher course. Uh, I think the winning score probably in the 11 to 15 under par range. That's kind of what we've seen the last three times they played here and then add in the wind and the field's not as strong as we've seen in past years. So um, I don't think the scoring is going to be super low. Like we've seen in most of the birdie fests uh, this fall. What are you looking for? Yeah. So I was doing a little bit of look in there while you were talking on the greens and it looks like the only one that they've switched greens during play has been the fourth hole. Why they do it for the, not within the same round, but between rounds, uh, they don't do it on most of the holes, but they have done it in pa in the past on the fourth hole. And I uh, can't really find out why, uh, but that was the only thing I was able to uncover uh, within my 30 seconds of research there. But yeah, I think, you know, ball striking, uh, par three scoring certainly can be important with five of them on this course. I think it's an in interesting, you know, dynamic with the length of the holes. Um, you know, just if you want to try to target into a certain approach range, I, I think you can do that. Um you know, the, the sample size for a lot of these guys, uh, if you're just looking, obviously, at this fall swing is still pretty small. So you'd want to go a little bit longer term, uh, maybe look at the last two seasons or something like that. Um, I, I think some history on this layout, you know, can help um, find with good current form, good course history. And then kind of leaning on the ball strikers with a little sprinkle of uh, par three scoring as well. Anything else for you before we dive in? Do have some bad news. No shot link data, so no shot tracker this week. Um, just the old school shot one from the fairway or from the tee box from the fairway. Shot two from the native area. Shot shot yeah. two penalty. That's the worst one. You don't want to see that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, the old shot three from the tee box. That's not great either. Uh, and sometimes, you know, there'll be a, a, a big, long delay. Um, that you just never know what's going on. It's a little bit frightening. Uh, but uh, yeah, no shot by shot data this week. So uh, it won't be as bad as the uh, Bermuda that one year when I can't remember who it was, but they were like four under and then it updated and he was like three over. The 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 scores were just completely wrong. I, that one yeah. that hasn't tended to happen here. Hopefully it doesn't uh, again this year, but uh, we'll we'll see. 
Um, the Bermuda's coming up, I think, uh, right? That hasn't happened yet. Is that a later fall? Um, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I watched the Wesley brothers on, on YouTube. Uh, Wesley's, or sorry, the Brian brothers. Wesley Brian's brother qualified for it. Um, so that'll be fun. Oh, really? Yeah, so that is uh, the week of November 9th. So the second to last tournament here of the fall swing will be that one in Bermuda. Hopefully they can at least figure out the, the global scoring uh, this year without uh, giving everyone uh, anxiety. All right, uh, let's take a look at the golfers this week. Again, I mentioned uh, no cut event, only 78 in the field. So it uh, won't take us as long to go through it. Maybe not quite as strong of a field as I would have expected for, you know, kind of one, of, I guess, the primary uh, premier event of the fall swing. I, I maybe would have expected a few more names this week, but still uh, quite a bit stronger than what we have seen in some of these fall swing events here over the past month. Uh, four golfers above 10K this week, Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, Sung J.M. and Ricky Fowler. Uh, you starting your lineups with one of those four this week. I mean, another factor is with the no cut, uh, everyone does get four rounds. So it uh, tends to lead itself to more stars and scrubs type of builds. Uh, and with that said, do you want to start with one of the top four this week? Yeah, my model kind of has uh, three different tiers in terms of the guys above 9K. It's Xander on a tier by himself. Um, I have him with a rating of 98. The next closest is 87. Then it's the three 10K guys, and then there's a big drop-off in projection to the 9K guys. So um, to your question, I do think I want to uh, force Xander into lineups, um, similar to Tom Kim last week. Just look at all of his numbers. He's number one in stats, uh, no matter what stats you're looking at for the week. Um, he's played here three times, two top tens. He's the king of no-cut events. I know he's got some uh, off-course drama that he's been dealing with, with his dad making comments and with can't lay making comments, but it's hard for me to see that really impacting his play this week. So I do think it makes a lot of sense starting with Xander and then kind of dipping down a little bit. In terms of guys in the 10Ks, I don't have a strong preference. I think Ricky's my least favorite of the bunch, but it kind of looks like the field agrees with me on that one. So um, no strong take. I mean, Morikawa feels like he should have a win this year, given how many times he's been in contention and, we think of the past winners. You have Tiger, Keegan, Hideki, all of them elite ball strikers, especially with their irons. So wouldn't surprise me to see Morikawa play well. He's probably my second favorite above 10K. Yeah, Ricky coming off the uh, second place finish last year, but uh, at that price, I think I'll pass as well. Uh, Shoffley, definitely my favorite of the group by a pretty wide margin. Uh, probably comfortable being underweight on the other guys in this tier. Not that they're bad plays, but uh, Xander is the one uh, couple of top tens on this course uh, that I will prioritize out of this group above 10K. So kind of with you there. Uh, Sung Jay has the next highest ownership. Uh, looks like he's coming in as probably the next best option in terms of our Roto Grinders projections, uh, but pretty close among those next three. I think I'll get Xander and then uh, maybe look to this 9K range. Uh, you've got Hideki Matsuyama home game for him. Uh, he's also got a win and a second on this course. Uh, you've got Cameron Davis, who has been spectacular over the last couple of months, uh, who I really like this week. You've got Keegan Bradley, 13th, 7th, and then, of course, a win on this course. He tends to play the same course as well, so... Uh, I think uh, definitely some strong options here in the 9K range. Uh, I will go with uh, 
maybe Davis, then Bradley, then Hideki for me in that order uh, in the 9Ks. But I like all three of those guys. So uh, your thoughts on the 9K range? Yeah, I don't have a strong reason for it, but I think I'm going to be underweight on all the guys that have really good course history, which is a little scary, which is uh, Hideki, Keegan, and Tigala. Tigala's coming off of a win. Don't know how he'll react to that. Um, Keegan, Keegan's probably a great play. Um, this is the first event since the Ryder Cup. You know he's, you know, was out there grinding um, while his friends and were out there getting their butts kicked by Team Europe. So he's probably a good play at, at 9,200, but um, – I like Cam Davis the best, uh, like you mentioned. He's been awesome. I think he has six top tens in his last seven starts or something like that. His off-the-tee numbers are great. His uh, approach numbers are great. He tends to play par 70s really well. Um, if you are playing the driving distance angle, no, nothing to worry about there because he's uh, very long off the tee. So, yeah, I think Davis is my favorite. And no strong take on anyone else. I do think Minwoo Lee is interesting just because, you know, he's one of those guys that hits the long irons well. And he played in on the Asian tour last week and won. Um, not a lot of people probably realize that since, you know, not a lot of those results are tabulated in most projections and stuff. So uh, I think he could be interesting coming off of a win. All right. Uh, don't mind that call either. I think this range is pretty strong. And uh, if you're not starting with the, nine, with the 10K plus guys, you can maybe get two of these guys to anchor your lineups. Um, and, you know, feel pretty good about having some win equity. Obviously, uh, guys who have played this tournament well in the past uh, and even some of those who haven't uh, have shown plenty of upside in, in recent months. So uh, I think that's a solid strategy. Again, I prefer that generally in events where there's a cut, uh, but even with the no-cut format this week, I think it's fine. So uh, as we go down into the next range, um Eric Cole leads off the uh, the 8K range at 8,900, um, and, and probably you know he's we got a small enough field and he's been remarkable enough that uh, we can we can just touch on Eric Cole individually here. But if you look at his results, and Eric Cole is a guy who's been playing basically every week since the early part of the summer. Uh, his last miscut was at the end of May at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Since then. 24th, 6th, 39th, that was at the U.S. Open. 24th, 42nd, 60th, 30th, 14th, 31st, 25th, 4th, 35th, and 3rd. So uh, he's got, you know, three finishes of sixth or better in there, a couple other top 20s, and hasn't missed a cut in almost five months despite playing basically every week uh, for a guy who, you know, just got his PGA Tour card for the first time at age 34. So... Uh, I mean, we keep waiting for the slowdown and then uh, he was really good again last week and, and was in the mix there. So uh, and now you got a big, a, a, you know, not necessarily bigger in terms of size, but uh, a stronger field in terms of talent. And Eric Cole is priced at 8,900, you know, whereas it, six months ago in this field, he'd, he'd have been 6K. Uh, instead, he's 8,900 and we have him at like 20% ownership. So uh, what are we doing here with this uh, revelation that is Eric Cole? Well, I don't have him tagged this week, but I don't want to be underweight on him either because you mentioned the form. Uh, if you look at the stats, they back it up too. He's top five in the field in approach, top three in birdie or better percentage. He's one of the best putters in the field, and he's top 10 in around the green. So the only thing he doesn't do well is drive the ball. Um, that is a concern, but he's guaranteed four rounds, and he makes a ton of birdies. 
So yeah, I'm a little torn on that high ownership, but on on paper he looks like a great option, and I think he's the new Sung JM, right? Playing every week. Even we've heard in his off weeks he goes and plays the mini tours, <laughs> which is just crazy to me. Um, you know, he won a million dollars at the Honda, and then like, a couple weeks later he was out there grinding the mini tours for more wins. So uh, yeah, I like Eric Cole. He's an easy guy to root for. He's going to be the rookie of the year. Um, pretty pretty safe bet there. Other options. It looks like Lucas Herbert's not in the field, so they had to price up Keith Mitchell. Is that what, <laughs> that what we're doing here? I don't wonder why is he. Oh no! Now Keith Mitchell's catching strays. Um, boy, I, ever since I played him a couple weeks ago in that shootout event, and he went 27 holes without a birdie. Uh, Keith Mitchell and I are are, are <laughs> off each uh, seeing the other people here for for a while. Um, He's gotten surpassed by Bo Hostler in the in the power <laughs> rankings, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, Keith Mitchell there at 8,300 is definitely a pass. Uh, I I don't love this next range. I mean, I mentioned I like the nine Ks. Um, you know, Grillo, uh, Meh, Hostler feels like I'm catching that boat way too late. Uh, Norman has you know faded a little bit uh, since his hot stretch over the summer. Hoygaard, I suppose, is fine, but uh, like they're all just kind of fine. So uh, until we get down, you know, towards the bottom end of the 8Ks, I just is there somebody that we can like feel confident in here after we get past Cole? I don't like the mid range at all, uh, but I do like the bottom end. I think Adam Svensson's been in great form, four top 20s in his last five starts. Uh, Alex Noren, who I mentioned at the top of the show, he gained 10 and a half strokes. Tita Green at the Shriners. Um, ever since he went back over to Europe, kind of for the Open Championship and all that, he's been playing a lot better. And he's got so much experience playing worldwide that I think he's a, a pretty good setup for this course. Then I like Adam Shank. He missed the cut last week, but it was on the number. He gained strokes ball striking. And he's been a top 10 machine. He has seven top 10s since the start of March. Uh, he's played here three times, three for three. No worse. Well, I guess everyone's 100% making the cut. But all, all in the top 30 is what I was trying to say. So, Adam Shank, Alex Noren, Adam Svensson. I think I'm going to be overweight on all three. Yeah, I really like Noren. Uh, if you look at the stats from last week, Noren was at the top of the field in Tita Green, uh, and he was also first in par three scoring, uh, which, I mean, a lot of the, the the stuff that he was doing well last week is going to translate to this course. Um, and he's just quietly been playing a little bit better after a rough patch earlier in 2023. So when you combine that with the fact that the rest of this price range is a little bit weak, um, I am on the Alex Norin train as well. I like the Svensson call. He'll be a little bit more popular, uh, but I would much rather play some of these guys right around 8K uh, than the the guys that are a little bit more expensive. So Norin would definitely be my favorite, probably Svensson second. Don't mind Shank. Um, kind of in agreement with you on on how to handle this uh, lower part of the AK range and get some exposure there. All right, as we move into the 7K range, uh, some guys that maybe uh, have been playing quite a few of these ball swing events might feel a little bit cheap, but uh, given the field strength, you know, Ben Griffin, um, Mark Hubbard, who we talked about at the top of the show, uh, you've got Callum Taron in here as well. If you look at stats michael kim over the last kind of 24 36 rounds his stats all around are pretty solid uh that's kind of your 75 to 7900 range you have a uh, favorite in here 
Yeah, I think there's a direct correlation between Michael Kim's tweets and his performance. I haven't seen as many tweets in the last couple of weeks, and uh, he's played great. So um, just be on the lookout for how often he's tweeting this week. Um, but kidding aside, uh, I like Mark Hubbard a lot this week. We talked about him last week, let us down. Uh, he did shoot six under on Friday to miss on the number. And if you look at his stats, everything's elite but off the tee. But I brought this up last week. He had his two, uh, the two best, the best two event stretch of his career off the tee. Then he gained 3.3 strokes off the tee last week in only two rounds. So he's figured something out with the driver. The irons are great. Um, $7,600 is good. I think it's a perfect scenario for his ownership because he missed the cut last week and he didn't play great here last year. So he's going to be my favorite play. Um, interested to hear your thoughts on Tom Hoagie. I don't know if they have crap stables in Japan, but based on the fact that he's finished ninth and 17th here, I'm guessing they don't because um, he missed a cut last week in Vegas. And we know we know why. <laughs> he played well in Vegas the year before, though. Yeah, um, the tables were closing. <laughs> COVID still kept him shut down. Um, yeah, I think Hoagie's fine. I mean, you're going to see some recency bias against him. But before last week, he had uh, three top 25s, his previous four events. Uh, feels a little bit cheap, relatively speaking. So, yeah, I like Hoagie, particularly in GPPs. Um, uh, you make a really good case for Hubbard. I'll probably have to reevaluate him a little bit. Uh, I think Taryn is really bit really interesting. His biggest weapon tends to be his driver. But, um, you know, you mentioned depending on where you look, you can get some places that uh, might suggest emphasizing that this week, uh, even though you wouldn't think it based on the course. So uh, Taryn tends to be pretty streaky. He's playing pretty well right now. Uh, so he would be kind of my favorite in that range, along with possibly Hoagie in GPPs. And then going slightly down um, to the lower part of the 7K range, uh, Akshay Batia, I think, again, is fine. I've been playing him a decent amount at low ownership uh, for potential upside. I mean, I'd rather play him for ceiling than somebody like Nick Taylor um, or Kitayama or something like that. Um and the, I mean, the guy that's going to pop in projections is Ryo. He said soon. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but a uh, 21 year old that looks poised to get his PGA tour card uh, and has been playing really, really well was a DP world tour winner a few weeks back. Uh, we've only got him at 8% ownership. I think that will probably go up as we get closer to tomorrow night. Uh, but what are your thoughts on some of the guys in the lower part of this range? Yeah, just so I don't butcher the name, I'm also on board with Rio. Um, we'll just call him Rio to make it easier. Uh, if Rio. you look at his numbers from the PJ Tour, uh, they're just not great because he's only had a, a handful of starts and some of them were majors. But, uh, yeah, on the DP World Tour, he's pretty much gaining across the board, off the tee on approach, around the green putting. You mentioned coming off of a win, finished T12 here last year. So he's my favorite play by far. I don't mind going back to Cameron Champ. We talked about, you know, his recent, uh, you know, good play, the the baby narrative. The uh, He's talked about being a lot happier on the golf course. Um, so I think uh, I think he's pretty good. Um, other than that, I don't have a strong take on anyone else. Takumi Kanaya is a name that uh, we've seen pop up a lot over the years as a talented young guy. He finished seventh here in his debut in 2021. I think Sam Ryder is going to be popular, but I never seem to get – on board with Sam Ryder. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And he's probably not for me here either. Um, I mean, Rio, definitely my favorite play in here. Interesting to see the ownership on uh, champ all the way up to 17%. 
uh, it is a no cut event. We know he is going to make some birdies and, uh, you know, and be aggressive. And uh, again, I mentioned that strong finish last week. uh, So can't argue against that. uh, If you're, you know, and I suppose Damon uh, and Ryder are going to have ownership that's in the ballpark, but, uh, and it's, it's a smaller field. So everyone that's a reasonable play is going to get some ownership uh, regardless, just because there's only 78 golfers this week, but uh, that's anything else above 7k. Uh, the floor is open beyond that. Uh, anybody you like as a lower end punt this week? Nothing above 7k. We do have a couple new uh, names in the chat, uh, which is nice to see. Valves BTW says what's up, and then Jimmy Jack is asking about Hayden Buckley. Um, do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, I, mean, I think Buckley is interesting because he was a guy that was just kind of randomly chalk a few weeks back. I don't remember what his ownership ended up being, but I know he was projected as one of the highest owned um, values heading into that week. Uh, And it wasn't last week. It was the week before at the Sanderson farm. So he missed the cut there. T 64 last week. Um, I mean, his form has faded quite a bit over the summer, but I think he's, you know, he's an interesting GPP flyer. I wouldn't play him if I was doing, you know, maybe just one or three entries, certainly wouldn't play him in cash, but I think he's an intriguing large field tournament play in a no-cut event. Yeah, I'm on board with him. Um, other guys I like, Cage Lee finally showing some life again. He gained 7.9 strokes ball striking at the Fortinet, gained 5.8 strokes tee to green last week, and ended up finishing in the top 10. Uh, Matthew Neesmith was like a million percent owned last week, and now nobody wants to play him, even though he's played well at this course. So I don't mind going back to him. Uh, if you want to play some of the Asian guys that we don't see a lot, uh, Kita Nakajima, a couple top 30s at this <clears> event, <throat> and the, the Vegas odds look pretty good um, for this price range. Don't have a strong – the lower guys are scary to me because everyone says, oh, everyone's guaranteed four rounds, but that's not a good thing if your guy's struggling out there. And with the wind and stuff, I mean, I don't know if I want to take too many chances down here. Yeah, especially the <clears throat> the first two days, it seems like uh, is going to be pretty breezy. Uh, the Hondizzle bold take of the week is Davis Riley. I know you are not a Davis Riley guy, um, but uh, that's uh, Hondizzle usually right. gets those right. Yeah. Uh, Jason Sobel's uh, low uh, end dart of the week is Kevin Yu at uh, sixty six hundred. Uh, so you can sprinkle those guys into uh, your tournament lineups. Um, if you want to play the tiger narrative, there's Tyga in the in the field at 6100. Probably gonna pass on that. Okay. Let's see. I'm scrolling through the rest of the six Ks. I don't see much else. Um, Brandon Wu might be okay, but like it's you're not getting a big discount there. I like your your thoughts on Neesmith. Han Dizzle has him tagged as well, so I think Neesmith is definitely the guy in GPPs that I am the most interested in, in terms of potential upside at, uh, at lower ownership. So that is uh, pretty much the field for this week. Again, remember Wednesday night lock. Um, so make sure that you get those lineups in uh, on time, uh, shorter field, shorter show this week, but uh, anything else Noto that uh, you want to pass along before we get out of here? No, as always, we appreciate you joining. If you ever have any questions, hop in the Discord and uh, fire away. Uh, If it's not one of us answering, there's lots of people in there. 
Absolutely. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. We appreciate that very much. Help us beat that YouTube algorithm. Even if you're watching us on playback, I uh, do appreciate those of you that uh, that hit the thumbs up button and uh, welcome and uh, hope to see you back uh, for those of you that are new in the chat. Uh, when we get back to the uh, the new year, we'll uh, we'll bring the snake drafts back at the end of the show uh, and uh, and get those rolling again for those of you that are wondering about those. But fall swing tends to be a little bit quieter, uh, and there is no tournament next week on the PGA Tour uh, schedule. It was a planned break after this week uh, over in Japan, so uh, the schedule does not start back up until November with three more events uh, before the winter break. So. Uh, We will see you back here in a few weeks. And until then, thanks to Noto for joining me. Thanks to Steve for working hard, uh, producing behind the scenes for us. And of course, I am Justin. We hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, we uh, will see you back here in a few weeks. Take care, everybody.